Footy Prime the Podcast is brought to you by Tony Bet, official sponsor of the CPL and presenting sponsor of Canada's unofficial voice of footy. Oi, the boys on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language, and sometimes tales are quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. It's time to get this party started. Booty, booty. It's time to get this party started. You know that we are the number one show. So grab your fucking mitts and now it's time to go. Cause it's the booty, booty. It's time to get this party started. It's the booty, booty. It's time to get this party started. With Danny, Jimmy, Gregor, Andy, Jimmy, and JC. All we know and all we talk about is booty, booty. It's time to get this party started tonight. It's a bonus edition. Oh, you lucky primers, you. It's a special bonus edition for the Prime this Thursday. We're all here. Dubs is here. Jimmy's here. Craig's here. I'm Shams. Uh, no Wonga. He, he might join us later on today. Um, June 28th, next Wednesday, Canada's women's team will report to its pre-World Cup camp in Australia. So much for the farewell match, eh, everyone? <laughs> But as yeah, as, as Neil Davison reported on Wednesday, there's still, still no deal in place for World Cup remuneration. And the team says it wants a deal in place by the time they leave. And, and why wouldn't they? Now, to clarify, this isn't the CBA, it's strictly a deal for the World Cup. The team does say it's hopeful something will get worked out. But... Regardless, another distraction our women's team do not need, and certainly a distraction head coach Beth Priestman does not need. Beth Priestman joins Free Prime right now. Hi, Bev. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everyone. Good hey, to Bev. see you. Hey, Bev. Okay, so in, in Oz, you should be in Oz in less than a week or around there. It's getting busy for you, to say the least. So we do appreciate your time today. The last thing you need is more trouble off the pitch. How much distraction is this causing right now to you? You know, it's probably been, and I know this sounds bad, but it's, it's been the best it's been, I think is what I would say. I think Jason has come in, Jason DeVos, um, and his communication, I must say to me personally, he's been, you know, great. He's picked up the phone. He's got my engagement. You know, I'm obviously close with the players and things. So, yeah, I believe and my understanding is is that, you know, they want to, both parties want to get something in place for the World Cup because I think my reflection and my job really is to get rid of that distraction for the players. I think, you know, as a, as a leader now, I got caught in the storm in February um, and, and, you know, I was caught in it, nothing I can do. But I think now going into such a pinnacle event, I've had to just focus on, you know, the, the team, the tactics, the... The football, because I think ultimately, regardless of whatever's happening around, my job is to lead this team to go and do the, the best they can. So I, I hope, I trust that things will be in place for, for this World Cup. How challenging has that been for you, Beth, to, to balance that between with the noise going on behind the scenes is, and, and you trying to concentrate and keep focus with these players getting up and getting ready for, you know, maybe the, the biggest event of their career, some of them. Yeah, listen, I can't lie. February was really difficult, uh, super, super difficult. I think, you know, I'm, I'm a, I view myself as a player's coach and I think that's what was really difficult. You know, you, you're dealing with emotions, players crying at you when they've come out of a meeting and, 
you know, it was it was a very difficult period. Um, and, and, and I reflected and learned myself, you know, what gets the best out of me. And I think I reflected coming out of the She Believes, the stress, the everything. I'm a positive person and I think, you know, that that is what I know I need to do going into this World Cup is to just focus whatever I've got, the players in front of me, they're talented and my job is to, to win football matches or try and win football matches. Um, and, and that's the approach that I'm going to go with. It. But I can't lie, it was extremely, extremely difficult um, because I'm compromised, right? I work for an organisation um, and, and, and I coach a, a group of players that have got to run through a brick wall for me and, and I'm somewhere caught in the middle and, and trying to, you know, what I, what I always felt I tried to do was to try and help the situation the best way I knew how, but ultimately it, it wasn't great. Added to that, Bev, you've got key players who are racing against the clock um, in Deanne Rose and Nichelle Prince and Desi Scott, just to, to name a few, not even talking about Janine Becky and you guys missing her versatility um, and what it lends you as a coach. Um, so how difficult is it going to be for you to, to balance the involvement of those key players in whatever role it may be, maybe at 60 or 70 percent, with maybe mm-hmm. our younger, more upstart player to make that 23 player roster? Yeah, and I think this is a lot of the clutter, you know, we've had, I think for, I think probably CONCACAF last summer was the last time probably the group were together as the group and the partnerships and everything. And so I think you'll hear it from some of the, actually listened to some media yesterday from the players around partnership flow and because a lot of players have got put in a lot of positions and we're, we're compensating. But at the end of the day, again, the conversations, I've met with every player one-on-one. I did that before I went to the Olympics and I've done that in the last month to unpick some of the, you know, some of their feelings, how it's been going, biggest things we need to focus on. And for me, it will just be about getting the flow of whatever 23 players end up going, trying to get that in the best space possible. And I think if I'm being completely honest, we're learning day by day is where those players are, the return to play players and you know, can I see all three making the group? Probably not, um, if I'm being honest. And I'm predicting here, and as you know, a return to playing me from playing is like, it's never a straight line. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's it's a challenge. But I think at the end of the day, and this is the belief I need to give the players, whatever 23 we have, we will give it our best and, and push through because uh, we've got a talented group. Um. Going back to the leadership here, um, obviously, like you said there, it's a new leadership now, albeit interim for, for a while. And, and you said there is progress being made, which is really encouraging to hear that. But they are at this point really kind of trying to clean up the mess of, of what's happened so far. And that includes no farewell game. And mm-hmm. fans of this team, and there's many of us, are pissed off about this. I mean, this team should have a farewell, right? You're going to the World Cup, for Christ's sake, because you're going to be one of the better teams there. How is that in the group right now? How, how are they feeling about the fact that they're leaving next Wednesday and there hasn't been that, that occasion, that moment. Yeah, I think, you know, this, how all of this came about is, I don't know if you're aware, but the June window, it's not an official FIFA window um, anymore, you know, and so the release of the NWSL players wasn't able to happen before the 26th. And as well, you've got the whole European saga that you would have seen that were also some more clutter that we're trying to work through. But for me, the, the real home game should have been April. Um, I think that this window, we, we've opted from the optimal preparation standpoint to get Australia, get in the time zone. We've got a behind closed doors there. 
But I think, you know, it was the reality of the budgets to, you know, make April work as the best way I could. Um, and, and that's really probably where, if anything was viable, it was going to be that. But we got the chance to play France and the costs and everything. And so that that at that time, and I explained that to the players that, you know, it, really, I don't know if this window was going to work based on when end of SL players could officially be released and our optimal preparation, sports science and, and everything. But I think the April one was the one that I felt, you know, had we had the budget, we probably could have done something. But at the end of the day, that France game um, gave us some great learnings, top, top team. Um, and, and, and again, I think I've just got to look forward because I think if I look back, if the players look back of what we've been through, it can, it can just hold us back. It might be the reason that this team do well. It might be the reason that they don't do well. But at the end of the day, as a coach, I'm going to have to push through that. Bev, when you when you look at a coach, everybody thinks it's just tactics, X's and O's, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Now you're in a situation where you're dealing with an awful lot that a lot of other countries haven't dealt with, meaning dealing with a governing body, dealing with the player mm-hmm. issues, restrictions. How do you feel you've grown as a coach, experience all this? Yeah, I would say it's been the most difficult year of my career, if I'm being completely honest. I think. Yeah, just a lot of unknowns and things coming, you know, your way that you, yeah, you can't train for this stuff. I'll be better for it. I know that much, but I probably don't feel like that now. Um, but yeah, it's been a challenging time. But I think, again, if I, I've got great reflections, you know, around when those things happen. I don't think in any coaching course you get prepared to go into um, the situation that happened in February. Nothing can prepare you for that in how you will emotionally feel, react, You've got players saying they're going to retire in front of you that have served their country for years and years. Like, I don't think anything can prepare you for that. But at the end of the day, like I've said, and hopefully you feel this from me, is um, I need to focus on what I've got in front of me and, and push folks. I know that's what gets the best out of me. Um, and, and that's what I've learned, Jimmy, is like, yeah, it, I'm a positive person and I need to keep being positive. Um, because ultimately that's what does manage my energy. And I think a big part of how I coach and who I am is the energy that I bring to the group and the leadership, and that's going to need to be strong. What do you think, Bev, coming into this tournament is the identity of, of this group, whatever group is, or the, is going to make up that group out of the 23 players, say compared to the gold medal winning squad, where that team, always world-class goalkeeping, as we know with Canada, mm-hmm. known for that. Um, defensive masterclass game after game, but goals in open play were always a struggle. Yeah. Uh, that continues to be a struggle, but then you have players who are in great club form, you know, mm-hmm. even, even Sinky, where maybe a difficult conversation you'd maybe be having with her, but she's doing really, really well with, with Portland. And then Julia Grosso and Jesse Fleming doing really well. So how does, do you think that, does that mean that the team identity has evolved a little bit, or do you still rely on those things that have gotten you success in the past? Yeah, it's a great question, Amy, because it's actually the question that's come up a lot in my one-on-ones with the players. Of You know, with, with Diane, Michelle, Janine, you look at what they bring you, they bring a lot of in-behind threat. That's three wingers that started probably in the Olympic Games. And so you start to think about what if you don't have those players and what if you do and what does it look like? What I do know, other than this year and the bit of the storm we've been through, we had evolved in where the goals are coming from. So a big review after the Olympics was set play goals were zero, about 50% now um, of our goals have come from there, which is still not (laughs) the full open play that you would like. 
our goals have come from a lot more midfielders and defenders. So we're not just relying on one player. Um, you know, you look at Australia, you look at Dre and, and the things that have happened in that space. I, I think we, we are evolving. I think this team in possession has evolved and can be better than what it was at the Olympics. I think that, that, that for me, we've got a lot more sort of dynamicness. You even look at Simi and some of the players that have come in. Um, I think they add to the team in terms of the makeup of the midfield and, and things like that. So if I can get the partnerships humming again because of all of the changes that's happened, I think we can we can score goals and that we're all aware of it. It's something I know, the players know, and trust me, we're working on it. And I think the big thing is the chances are going up against the top teams compared to they did in the Olympics. Like we measure certain things in the final third and you know, you can measure all that all you like, but ultimately do you score? That's that's the argument. But mm. I do think you need objective measures that say, you know what, we're creating more chances. Now we just need to put them away. And if we create more, the pressure on the individual to put that one away isn't there. And then you're a little bit more in your flow and things. So, yeah, I would like to think if I get what I need and, and these partnerships start developing, then this team can score goals. But we're never going to be a team that, that beats someone a top 10 nation 5-1. I think we all know that. We're going to rely on our, that everyone's telling me, every player I'm, I'm meeting is like, um, hard work beats talent. Like the mindset of this group when it's right is, I would hate to play Canada on a day where our mindset is right. And if we mm. keep clean sheets, ultimately you won us an Olympic Games and we can't get away from that. I think that's what I am clear about. Has Beth, has somebody gone down to Australia and done a you know research on your camp, your facilities, how you're going to cope with this sort of thing? How good are they? And obviously, too, we have to talk about travel, uh, the schedule. I mean, you're in your group, you've got incredible amounts of travel, which would be the equivalent probably flying to Toronto, maybe even Montreal, sort of Vancouver um, in between time. How are you going to deal with that uh, as well and uh, are the players ready for for this camp and uh, how is it yeah I think a couple of things Craig we went to Australia purposely in in August and it like I think it was Sinks like first time I, you know you know how long Sinks been on the national team first time I've done this this is crazy the jet lag and we did that purposely we did a whole load of sleep strategies and and things like that and we learned from that and that's why we did it We've done the, the site visits, you know, I went to the draw and then my team manager and some of my technical staff, one of them's based in Australia, so that's really good, in, in Tom Samani, so he's been there. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got a good, we've had week after week World Cup planning meeting. I think the staff now are sick of them and we just want to get there. But I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge. That middle period of Nigeria, then going to play Ireland, who, by the way, are a very hard team to beat, and get back and then play Australia, the home nation. That's a tight turnaround with a lot of travel. And I think we know that we've got to get that bit right where the recovery, how we set up the flight, you know, all of the things around that is going to be really, really important. And I think, you know, we've been the master of tight turnarounds, but you have that travel, that's another layer. Um, and yet going into Nigeria and, and around 16, you get four or five days. So it, it is a very different tournament and rhythm than Olympic Games. You offline business, right? Just, just go to ask yes. that question. Yes, okay. uh, uh, yeah, FIFA will uh, be flying everybody business. Yeah. Okay. Did you That's hear that? Pretty primers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So and great then, to hear that. And then in the world, a good positive with with FIFA as well at the event. So. 
Okay, great. Um, listen, you, you mentioned the uh, the Aussie match, July thirty first. I mean, that's one of the the dates for this whole World Cup, right? Um, a, a great matchup. They're a good team, but yes, you know the environment is going to be fantastic. That, that they love their sports in Australia. They're going to love this team. Um, how exciting is that for the group? Well, we got a sense of it, right? But I think we got Australia on their sort of getting their partnerships, knowing what worked for them. I don't think we got Australia anywhere near the best, and that's me being completely honest. I think we were at our best in the last year. That was probably our best game. But Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, they, they're flying right now. You know, they beat England. They've, they've changed what they do. You've got Sam Kerr and, and Ford up top who have, you know, they've changed what they do. Um, and yes, they do love that. You know, I lived in that side of the world, not Australia, but New Zealand, big sporting fans and, and the home nation. Like, you, you can't beat that. We know that they're going to have the fans there, but we do know the pressure. I experienced that in 2015. That can help you and it can hinder you. Um, and they've got some of the best players in the world, like the Sam Kerr. I think um, it's going to be a great game and there'll be a lot riding on it because you top the group you possibly um, avoid the European champions in the Lionesses. So it, it is a lot riding on it. Bev, you mentioned before Tommy Sermani. I was lucky enough to play for him uh, in the WSA. He was assistant coach out in the Bay Area. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. what a top, top guy. So please say hi to Tommy for me. I will. But um, you talked about the learnings in that game against France, and then you've got that closed-door game against England. And you mentioned, I think there's an interview I saw of you, and you're talking about playing Japan, playing that three-back, and how that compared or that would prepare you guys um, for Ireland, who play a similar style. So what do you hope to gain from that closed-door match? And then what does it offer you in terms of preparation for a specific opponent you're going to face in the group stages? Yeah, I think like when you play England, you know it's going to be a top, top game. And I think because we haven't had, through design, but also a little bit of you know the preparation camp and where people are located in such a big country, um, that England game is definitely, I feel like, it's going to be more like an Australia-type setting, if we're being honest. Um, but I think we have designed some things in the preparation camp that is going to prepare us for the unorthodox, you know, 5-4-1 island with a, with a huge long throw that, that I've never seen in my life. Um, anybody <laughs> throw a ball that far in the final third. So there's a, there's a few things that, for that game that we need to get prepared for, you know, and I think... That, that, that is the game that, you you know, if you go talent for talent, yes, but I think you know a team that first time the World Cup, they're going to have passion, they're going to have half of Ireland in that country. It's going to be a really difficult game. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think we've got to prepare the themes that we see across three different styles. We've got to intertwine them in the pre-camp. But what I do know about what we did at the Olympics, well, we did us better than anybody did them. And I think we have to have the belief in the players that we've got that we need to do awesome. We need to get that right. And then we, you know, we bring in certain elements that, that are going to be useful against those sort of styles. Can you talk about the mindset of the team now compared to perhaps before the Olympics? Now, now you're into a World Cup, you're, you're the champs, mm -hmm. Olympic champions, you, you've won it, you've shown, you've proven to the world and yourselves. 
you can be anyone any given day. Is mm-hmm. it a very different, is it a tangible difference in, in the way you, the group feels compared to prior to the Olympics? Yeah, I think at the back end of 2022, absolutely. You know, we, we, we almost went that six-game sort of record and, you know, we were scoring goals, convincingly beating teams and, um, and even a bit of the Brazil game in the She Believes, despite what was going on, it wasn't our best in-possession performance, but we, we knew how to win and, and the confidence was there, but it was a bit much to, to bounce back again because of everything that was going on. But I think at our best and in our flow and getting rid of the clutter, Absolutely. I feel that, you know, we've now got players who, you know, even Vanessa, when I, if you think where Vanessa was at when we were in the Olympic Games, like thrust into that, she's now at Lyon, you know, and you've got Julie, you've got Jessie, Kadisha, like you, you add all of these players, they're used to being in a big arena. And I do know that when this, when things are really on the line with this team is often when you see them at the best and that's what I'm hoping it's going to get the best out of the group. But I won't hide from the fact we're not used to being under this amount of pressure. We're used to being the underdog. And listen, we still are. You look anywhere around the world, we still are. But that, that's still there. You know, everyone describes us as the Olympic champions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there, there is a reality of this, this World Cup, you, your top 10, your European, there's way more European teams. That it's going to be like getting performance on demand out of players. And as you know, can go one way or another in a, in a game. Have you, you've known these players for an awfully long time, and now you've got players that are playing at a very, very high competitive level mm-hmm. around the world. Have you noticed yourself, the, their skill level developing a lot better, their mentality is completely different from what it was? Do you feel a lot more positive going in with this group, knowing that they are playing at a high level and gaining all this experience? Yeah, absolutely. Like at the minute, I'm working on the pitch with Jesse and Julia in Vancouver. So they've had a period of time off. They're just getting going again to get them ready to go into Australia. We've got a hub in Toronto working. And then um, I must say, I'll just speak for both of those players. Like but we did the same thing last year to prepare for CONCACAF. And Julia, for example, having a year of pro versus NCAA coming in, totally different like skill set, everything, just totally different level. Um, and so, yes, like they're getting better, their mindset's getting better, they're getting more confident. Like when you're one of the best teams in your, in your team and you're at Juventus, like, and you, you get named in the, 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 the best in the league, that, that only helps players' confidence. Because let's be honest, this group are humble and they don't know how good they are. That's the first thing I said when I came in, like you don't know how good you are and we've got to have that belief. I know that the one thing that will stop us is belief. It won't be their ability. Well, listen, Bev, it's, uh, I can speak for the group here and say we're, uh, we're very happy to leave a, a conversation with Canada Soccer feeling positive and happy and having some good chat here because it's been a rough for everyone, you know, you, you guys specifically, but uh, a tough go of it for a long time. And, and now let's all get behind this team and support what could be a fantastic World Cup. So good luck, Bev. Uh, we'll talk to you soon and we'll be watching the games uh, on the edge of our seats, put it that way. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Bev. Thanks, Bev. Thank you. That's Bev Priestman. Yes, Canada off to Oz next week ahead of the Women's World Cup. Uh, we'll get into more of this tomorrow on News and Dubs, I'm sure. But uh, I feel good. You know, I mean, listen, there's so much crap. And obviously, Bev can't talk too much about it. Um, but there, at this point, you, you can't dwell on it, right? As, as bullshit as the situation yeah. might be, yeah. if you're that group, you can't dwell on it. You have to just look forward, like she says there, about the job at hand. What's happened has happened. We'll deal with that in the future. But right now, it's about that tournament, right? 
it's nice to talk about football. It really was. It was nice to talk to Bev, get her feelings on it as well. It obviously affects her, affects the team, affects everything. And like she said, she can't prepare for that sort of thing. But I think she really has a, a great head on her shoulders and able to basically deal with it. I have no doubts and my confidence in her whether she'll be able to deal with these things that have been thrown at her. She's an exceptional coach and great person and a great players manager and uh, I don't know what your thoughts on her, Amy, but I, it was nice to to get her feelings on everything that's going on. Yeah, like the, she continually uses that analogy of of climbing the mountain, and so like the the Olympics was one thing, and they changed the color of the medal, they achieved that, and then now they've got a target on their backs of the Olympic champions, and they're having to do it again. But mm-hmm. then there's the the elephant in the room is like the the biggest mountain really has has been this fight against the the federation. But or or do you change the analogy? You're still climbing the mountain. And then the Federation, everything that's going on is just really shitty weather. It's like going <laughs> up and like dealing with an avalanche or yeah. fog or crap conditions. And you have to, you know, maybe pause on your journey and refocus and, and keep at it. So it's maybe a little bit heavy and in terms of my my comparison or my analogy. But I, I think they seem like a very focused bunch. And, mm-hmm. and hopefully um, time is not on their side, but maybe luck a little bit in, in the recovery of these of these injuries and and making it back in time and being able to contribute. And if you can't, then you have to make that hard decision and bring somebody in who's going to be able to make a meaningful contribution to the group Mm -hmm. so that they can get out of that group because it's really a very difficult group to navigate. That I like about her is I love her her enthusiasm. I love her positivity with everything that's going on. And that's important as a manager as well, is that that Mm -hmm. outside noise doesn't affect you because – what ends up happening as a coach, the players can, they feed off of you. And if they see that something's bothering you or something's not right, the players can, they can feel that. Mm-hmm. But if you're going in there with a positive, enthusiastic mentality, excitement, that gets filtered down to the players. And I think that's what she's going to have to do with this group is let them know, forget about the outside noise. I'm positive. I'm ready. I'm enthusiastic for this challenge and we're going to embrace this. And I think if she does that, I think she'll she'll be on to something special with this team. Yeah, I think she does. Sorry, um, Forrest. I think she does that well, Jimmy, that she's able to stay positive, focus on the task at hand. But there's that there's the empathy for what the players are going through as well. And there's that yeah. that acknowledgement of, yeah. of the situation they find themselves in. And she's able to to maybe keep that separate, do the work they have to do on the field, but but acknowledge mm-hmm. that it's it's been a tough journey for them. Also interesting about her, uh, the window and this uh, farewell game or lack of, and that, that it didn't really, I forgot, you know, when you think about it, usually the, in the past, getting the women's team together usually wasn't a problem, but now you're thinking about these windows because they are playing all over the world and there are windows and there's, you know, opportunities and sometimes not opportunities. So he's, she's saying about April being the moment that they really missed. And now is more about trying to get to Australia, get there quickly as you possibly can to prepare. And really now wasn't the moment to actually do it. And it didn't work out in, in their favor. Yeah. And then limited as well. She, she talked about the NWSL players being released later. So they're working in these hubs, Vancouver and Toronto and training with the players who have been released from their teams. And then Clarissa Laracy and Evelyn Vien, who are in Sweden, they'll only get released a little bit later. So I think the roster decision, well, the, ros- the final roster will be released on July 9th. But I think, I don't know if Bev will be able to have those guys in camp. I'll have to, to take a look at those dates again. But that's difficult. So you're really heavily reliant on your club form at that point, which is 
you know, in, in my era, you know, it was a whole list of, of unattached. I know if we've delved into this before, um, but the the silver lining with that is that you have all those players at your disposal to build those partnerships and camps. But I, mm. I think if, you know, you, you have to decide one or the other is you want players who are training in high level environments year round. And if you're limited in a sense in your time in camp and you just deal with that and you got, kind of get on with it. I think that a, a lot of the nation, nations would probably feel the same, but uh, the men had 26 men squad at their World Cup. And certainly for Canada, we know that it would really benefit them with these players coming back off injury and some big question marks if they could carry 26 players as opposed to 23. That's a real handicap, I think, for Canada right now, don't you think? Yeah, and there was there was a plea from from the coaches to to FIFA to say, you know, please prolong this kind of they they instituted it during COVID, right, to give uh, coaches and teams more of a buffer in injuries and in case of illness. And there, to me, it seems arbitrary. Like, why wouldn't you just prolong that um, yeah. and 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 afford that same luxury to the to the women's teams? Amy, how many keepers would they travel with? Would it be two or three? Three. So they're traveling with three. That means you've got 20 outfield players for three matches with quick turnaround and travel. It's not a lot, is it? No, it's not at all. If they pick up more injuries. I mean, I thought it was going to be a thing that was going to be cemented moving forward. Generally, 26-player squads for big tournaments. We have five subs now in in matches. That's Mm -hmm. not going to go away, I don't think. just makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Although you can save a few dollars this way. Yeah. Well, but but the good thing, so that again, there's this dichotomy, you know, that that FIFA has gone a long way to provide. Well, after um, you know the players' association worldwide letters were signed, and petitions signed by representatives from teams all across the world about trying to find equity in the resources and what's provided to the women's players at the World Cup and give them the same situation that the men had in in Qatar. So they're going to have that. And then for the first time at the, you know, goes jumps from 24 teams to 32 teams, each player participating will receive $30,000 US just for participating. So that's, that could be potentially life-changing. Um, I was texting with Forrest in the dark web this morning. Like if, if we'd had something like that and obviously scaled down, um, you know, at the two World Cups that I participated in in 99 and 2007, like that would have impacted my life incredibly. For the positive, right? I thought, you, I thought you retired on all the money you made. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's we right. see a Honda Odyssey and think, well, she's done well for herself. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Everybody makes fun of me. It's like, oh, she must be an ex-footballer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, One so day. that's good. That's that. That's the positive, right? That you're making strides yeah. that way. But then at the same time, we're in the same breath, almost like, oh no, we're not going to accord you three extra players on your roster. Yeah. And it's not just Canada that's dealing with this rash of injuries. It's it's a problem worldwide <laughs> in, in women's football. Well, Jimmy, are, shut it, are, man. Moving they're fine business, around. though, right? They're fine business. <laughs> so hey, we we can't scream and yell about that, can we? Right now. <laughs> all right um we'll get to more of this i'm sure on tomorrow tomorrow will come so quickly news and dubs and we have a very special guest don't we amy we do my good pal reen wilkinson legend <laughs> she dub stories i bet you lots of dub stories but uh yeah fascinating journey of hers of course and as she now uh, navigates post-playing but getting involved obviously in all sorts of things football from coaching and otherwise uh, so our thanks to Beth Priestman great chat there and of course we'll be covering the Women's World Cup in depth once it kicks off alright until tomorrow 
Thank you. Keep buying newspaper teachers. Follow us on Twitter at footy underscore prime and on Instagram at footy prime IG. That was tight. That was tight. Awesome. Give me a countdown when you're ready, Shane. It's bigger than this. I'm so excited. Give me a countdown when you're ready, Shane. Excited to have our first bonus edition podcast in a while. Give me a countdown when you're ready, Shane. One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Give me a countdown when you're ready, Shane. Yeah, it's countdown. <laughs> three, two, one. Got it. Thank you so much. You need to get a funny uh, bonus edition opening and closing from JC, okay? One of the spill on the list. Uh, what did JC, yeah? Yeah, JC. <laughs> Edition opening and closing from JC, okay? One let's put on the list. Let's do that. Let's do that. Heard you loud and clear. Let's try. Bonus edition. Bonus edition. Bonus edition. Bonus edition. Bonus edition. Bonus edition. Excited to have our first bonus edition podcast in a while. Bonus edition. Bonus edition. Bonus edition. Bonus edition. Bonus edition. It's a bonus edition. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.